Welcome to Sincerely South. The Sincerely South podcast series is brought to you by the College of Education and Professional Studies at the University of South Alabama. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Gaston, and with me today is Dr. Lauren Brannon and Dr. Hannah Schakowsky. They are both with the Department of Leadership and Teacher Education here at the college. And regretfully, they are two people that I, I don't get to see enough. So I'm very grateful to have you here today to have the chance to sit down and talk to you. We're happy to be here. Yeah. Let's learn a little bit about you, if you don't mind, before we jump into our topic of conversation. So if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up here at South. Whichever would like to go first. I'll go first. I'm Lauren Brannon, and I'm an assistant professor of reading education here in leadership and teacher education. Um, I started out in education as a paraprofessional um, at Tanner Williams Elementary School while I was working on my education degree here at South. Um, So I graduated with my bachelor's of elementary education uh, here at South and came back and got my reading specialist degree for my master's degree. I hadn't had enough, so I came back and got another degree, (laughs) my PhD in instructional design and development. Um, And then, of course, I had to turn around and also work here. So um, I'm a lifelong JAG. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I think we're we're gluttons for punishment, right? We just keep going back to school and going back. I know. Similar for me as well. I got my undergrad in elementary education and um, came back to the area. I went to Auburn University and came back to Florida, Alabama, Panhandle, basically, and started teaching kindergarten in first grade and quickly learned I did not know enough about meeting the needs of students um, in reading. And so went back and got my master's in reading education and still just couldn't soak up enough of it. So decided to pursue my doctorate in reading and um, also at the same time learned about an instructor position at South Alabama. So I decided to fully pursue higher ed and finished my doctorate a couple years ago and am now an assistant professor in reading education at South Alabama and it's been I think almost six years that I've been here now. Going fast. Mm -hmm. So something we both have in common is that we are both previously first grade teachers. So we have a lot of some of the same teaching experiences working with younger students. And a fun fact about me is I was also a technology teacher for about three years. Oh, wow. You and I have a lot in common because I started (laughs) off as a paraprofessional, but I was was doing the alternative master's program so I could teach. And then, of course, I did technology too, that kind of... Fun. a big part of my thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was at a technology magnet school, so also had a lot of connection with technology. Yes. That's good. Mm-hmm. So in, in preparing for today's interview, uh, you sent me some, some topics to think about. And, and the first one that popped up was a question. What is the science of reading? And that just really intrigued me because I, I'm curious to hear more about that. What are we what are we talking about when you say the the science of reading? So the science of reading refers to the culmination of research from a variety of fields. So not only education research, but from cognitive psychology, from neurology, um, from communications, um, speech language. So from a variety of fields, um, we've kind of brought that science together and learned, you know, what happens when someone learns how to read and what are the best ways to teach someone to read based on how we learn to read. Um, So the science kind of shows us the way um, uh, for how to teach reading. Because there really is a lot to it. 
Yes. 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 I mean, I think there's so much more that's happening that people may not realize when you're trying to learn to read or even the act of reading. And, right. and absolutely. And that brings up the point of we're not hardwired to read. It's, um, it's an invention and we take it as though this is just how we were made, but we, we are hardwired to speak and we physically change our brain when we learn how to read. And so we have to strategically think about those connections that occur within our brain to um, translate, we hijack this part of our brain that's just taking in visual images and we use it for the purpose of taking in letters and the shapes that exist within them. I have never thought about it like yeah, that. Yeah, so... But everything was always just oral tradition, right? That's mm-hmm. how we, we passed down our knowledge and our stories until they started writing. And I remember early writings of that were that that was not... People didn't think that was a good idea. If you write everything down, then you don't yeah. have to remember anything, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, thinking about the science of reading and bringing that into the classroom... Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that, and what does that look like in the in the classroom? Well, one really significant model, it's in the science of reading, um, well, I guess maybe I should think simplistically. So we have this idea of a simple view of reading, this idea that we need to be able to recognize words and, and all that takes, including our, our ability to understand sounds and speech and that oral um, basis that we're all, it's all revolving around. And then we also have language comprehension. So can we com- comprehend what's being spoken to us? And the combination of the two um, as a multiplication problem, because they are interdependent, provides our ability to be able to read and comprehend independently. And so in a simplistic way, that's kind of the basis of a lot of science of reading. And then getting more in depth, when we're thinking about this concept called the reading rope, where what are the specific strands within that multiplication problem? Um, that produces a skilled reader. And then how can we how can we make sure we're addressing all of those things in our instruction? Right. So all of those things build a comprehensive reading program. And so um, as part of our pre-service teacher education, we scaffold that into our three uh, literacy courses that we have uh, to cover all of those different strands and put it together. Also with how to work with struggling readers, readers who may not have had a strong start, who may have struggled with decoding early on. Um, How can we bring them up to speed um, and get them on track? And so I guess part of that is you have to have ways of identifying where they're, where they need more strength, right? So you have mm-hmm. their programs or something that you can test or ways to assess the students to determine specifically where they need more help. Yeah. So there are a variety of tests um, available out there for screening. Specifically, dyslexia is a popular one that we look at because it has a lot of different indicators. Um, so. We try to find strong screeners, reliable and valid instruments uh, to help identify areas of weakness as well as areas of strength, because that gives us the foundation of where we can start that intervention instruction. And then we plan structured literacy lessons to build on that foundation and address the specific weaknesses that readers have. So I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned dyslexia, and is that fairly new because our youngest son was diagnosed with dyslexia and there really wasn't much there for him in terms of uh, resources when Mm -hmm. when he was first Mm -hmm. diagnosed with it is that is that kind of a new thing that's come around or 
No. I think, you know, it's, it's the neuroscience behind it. It's our ability to understand more through MRI imaging on how the brain looks different for someone with dyslexia and how to best suit their needs. So, um, for instance, there's research coming out about potentially this idea that they, they access the other side of their brain predominantly than what a typical skilled reader would. And you think about those hardwired connections that are already not um, very fine-tuned in an early reader, and we're trying to access the right side of the brain in order to have them read versus the left, which is where we're going to see that verbal um, pronunciation, articulation in the front of our brain versus that visual imagery that comes from um, the back and processing the letters and things like that. So they're having to create a whole other connection and network um, that we don't as as humans that don't have dyslexia. And so it's just trying to understand more about it. There's there's a lot that's unknown. So it's not new, but I think we're beginning to understand it a little better um, because of research, uh, specifically that neuroscience and then also the cognitive side of things as well. That's uh, fascinating. And, and when you talk about the MRI images, those are the ones where you can see where parts of the brain are lit up while mm-hmm. different things are happening. Is that? Yes. Yes. So that activation that's occurring whenever they look at a text and process it. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about dyslexia, about how they just uh, words are visual. People think it's a visual mm-hmm. issue and then you can use visual overlays to solve the problem, but mm-hmm. it is not a visual problem. It's actually um, a more phonological issue or orthographic issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So specifically, dyslexia is trouble um, decoding single words, having having that struggle, and it can kind of it can kind of be an umbrella. So um, it uh, let me how how do I explain this? So the dyslexia may stem from a few different um, issues, and that's going to differ based on the child. Um, So it it has been hard to define because of that that multifacetedness, I guess. But um, it basically means that a student is having trouble decoding uh, single words. Mm-hmm. Basically, the connection between our speech and print. Right. Um, there's a breakdown between it. And we talk about um, in our courses frequently and this idea of how our brain works, of this bridge between the front, which is dealing with pronunciation and articulating sounds, and the back processing the shapes of the letters. Um, we become really strong with that bridge, and then we can automatically store words within our brain. And that's why fluent readers are able to do it almost as by sight, because they access sort of this filing cabinet and the cool thing about it is that um, it is there for good unless we have brain damage in that area Um, but for dyslexics for people with dyslexia that bridge is a lot harder to um, connect together and it needs you need a lot more exposure um, strategically with explicit and very clear instruction but it is possible instruction to to meet their needs and um, and to create those connections that are just a little more challenging for them so i'm assuming that with the teacher prep program that you have the students do get some exposure to this idea of dyslexia and maybe mm-hmm. how to identify it and, and 
help students that have it? Yes. Hannah teaches our reading foundations courses for both our alternative master's program and our undergraduate bachelor's program. And it deals mostly with word recognition. And so she addresses it there. She actually has um, uh, an activity uh, simulation that she does with the students. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, It's actually, it's even more comprehensive than dyslexia. It it talks about and has them exploring concepts related to hearing loss, um, visual impairments, um, even physical impairments where they may struggle like writing with the other hand or they can't see exactly what they're writing and they're having to kind of strategically um, plan accordingly. And so it's a wonderful experience that we do early in the semester to show them um, you're fluent readers. And even if you did struggle as a child, it's still far removed from where you are now as a future educator. And so let's approach what does it feel like to be in that space where you are learning and everything is potentially more challenging than the neighbor next to you. Um, and, And just a reminder of we need to be very clear and explicit, and we need to support our students with the abilities that they do have and, and the strengths that they have. So you give them like a made-up alphabet or something, and they have to... There is. I have done some activities yeah. like that, yes, where they have to learn based on, um, yeah, arbitrary, different alphabet than what we have. Today, they're mm-hmm. going to learn Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, have there been any changes in terms of legislation within the state? Mm-hmm. Are there new things coming or that mm-hmm. are, have already arrived? Yes, so Alabama has passed literacy legislation. We just refer to it commonly as the Alabama Literacy Act, um, and it mandates that the science of reading is taught in pre-service teacher education, that it's addressed in professional development for current in-service teachers, um, and that the reading programs that are used to teach um, elementary students also align with the science of reading. And that's a shift from what we learned as as readers early on in our lives. You know, there's been several trends that have occurred in reading education where, for instance, whole language, where you're sort of that memorization concept, you, you look at it as an image, the whole word versus um, balanced literacy where it's kind of a mix. Yeah, <laughs> kind of a combination. And those were those were what we could do at the time. That's what research told us was the most effective option, but we didn't have the neuroscience until now. And that's why the shift with the Literacy Act and the science of reading um, is well researched and really kind of puts together all of those fields that you were talking about, Lauren, a few minutes ago um, to show like what is actually happening in our brain and how can we best meet our students' needs based on how we truly function. So this legislation you feel like it, it does a good job of addressing what needs to be done to, to help with what so far we're, we're still pretty early in that process to really see what what the outcome of this is going to be and we're, we're still constantly learning as the science of reading is constantly evolving as we learn new things um, one one thing I can say that has been very positive that has come out of this legislation is Alabama offered the letters training training which is language language essentials for teachers of reading and spelling it was written by louisa motes and carol tolman um, and it is a two-year professional development uh, program that our teachers are able to attend uh free to them the state has been paying for that and it is comprehensive it's 
um, Hannah and I both went through that training and it, we both agree that it's the best professional development we ever had. Um, and it really transformed our view of how to teach reading and shed light on areas we didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And that's available to teachers all over the state. Yes, yes, including yes, grant red. funding, absolutely, and it's a um, it's a national professional development. And I happen to be one of the national national facilitators. I sort of I latched on and soaked every second up. Um, since even having two degrees in in reading, it just wasn't quite enough. And letters really kind of helped solidify a lot of those concepts. So having it at that significant statewide level, um, and the impact of it that we've seen in Mississippi, for instance, really shows that that background knowledge is critical because it's not necessarily like let's adopt a program and then teach it to fidelity, but let's be smarter than the reading programs and the curriculum we have in our classroom. So we know what to do when a student is struggling and we have um, that strong background to be able to support. So you, you just kind of said it in passing, but, but let me just reiterate, you said that you went through the training mm-hmm. And you just really took hold of it. And now you're a national trainer? Yes. That's amazing. It's been an incredible experience to, (laughs) yeah, continue to get the professional development that they support me with and to bring that back to the University of South Alabama and um, teaching effectively for those undergrad and graduate students that we have whenever we're thinking about how can we support them even more. That's fantastic. Yeah. So we had actually, out of curiosity, um, as a result of this legislation and all of this professional development that's been going on in Alabama, we decided to investigate that. So we actually were awarded an internal grant from the College of Education and Professional Studies, and we surveyed um, teach elementary teachers in Alabama to find out, um, you know, what do we know? What do we, what have we learned and what do we, what do we still need to work on learning? Um, and so we plan to compare those results to, um, results of the same survey from, um, pre-service teachers that have been done from in-service teachers, even teacher educators. Um, and, and this research has even been done in other countries. So it's going to be interesting to see how our results measure up compared to those other populations. Yeah, that'll be very interesting. So what what's the time frame for this, this we, research that you're doing? So we have completed data collection. We are currently analyzing our data. So we don't have any results to share just yet, mm-hmm. uh, but we're excited for when that is when that's ready. Yes. That's great. To be continued. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's a, a great place for us to take a, a quick commercial break. So we will be right back. At the University of South Alabama's College of Education and Professional Studies, Our students and graduates are equipped with the skills, drive, and vision to improve our region and the world. As educators, health and wellness professionals, instructional designers, hospitality forerunners, and leaders, we are catalysts for change, and we are South. At the University of South Alabama College of Education and Professional Studies, we inspire others to learn. Our faculty at South are experts in their fields and ignite a passion for teaching in their students. You can become an educational innovator and thought leader with a graduate degree from South. We offer a variety of masters, educational specialist, and doctoral degrees, and we are ready to help you with your next professional goal. Our programs are flexible and many can be completed fully online. Now is the time to earn a graduate degree. Through the Educator Excellence Scholarship, you may be eligible for a 20% tuition reduction for six consecutive semesters. 
graduate students majoring in a teacher education program who have previously earned an Alabama Professional Educator Certificate automatically qualify for this scholarship. Teach. Inspire. Innovate. And lead with a degree from South. Welcome back. We're here today with Dr. Lauren Brannon and Dr. Hannah Schakowsky, and we're talking about the science of reading. And one of the questions that I had for you is this, this new legislation, the Literacy Act, has that had an impact on the courses that you teach or the program that we have here at the university? Well, I think we, we learned about the science of reading and started implementing it into our courses prior to the Literacy Act, um, but it just further supported the value and the importance of it. Um, so I think one key component that changed, which was certainly to our benefit, is that we went from having two reading courses to three, and, and that may not seem like a significant thing, but um, within um, a typical reading block, a kindergarten to second grade um, classroom, you may have a hundred. 20 minutes a day spent in reading in language arts. Um, and so that's a huge amount of time in the classroom trying to support our students. And without all, a really strong basis from your undergraduate degree, you can re, it can be a challenge to meet everyone's needs. So that impact was, was significant in, in our ability to spend more time in depth with those foundational skills, with thinking about um, comprehension and just all of the nuances, writing, things like that. Right, I agree that the three courses made a huge difference for us. Um, another thing, you know, as we continued to grow in our own understanding of the science of reading, um, we kind of t parsed apart the reading rope. Um, and Hannah's course, the very first course they take, is going to focus on the word, word recognition strand. Um, so, and then the, we move on to the second course, which focuses more on language comprehension or that listening comprehension. And also, um, we kind of dip into reading intervention and learn how to uh, assess and intervene in the areas of word recognition. So a little bit of review from what they learned in the previous course. And when they move into the third course, they're continuing to um, have intervention projects with struggling readers in their field classrooms, but we also throw in writing there and start to talk about the science of writing and how, uh, how to teach writing explicitly and systematically. That, that sounds like a, a great opportunity for the students to really dig in, not, not just to learn about it, but then to see how, to see it in the classroom, right? They have those opportunities to go in and work with students. Absolutely. Maybe that are struggling. And, and sort of inadvertently, um, through all of this, we have also thought about our reading specialist students. So those those um, in-service teachers who are seeking out more knowledge in reading, how can we better support them to move them past just the basic knowledge that they, they receive in undergrad and understand more about um, being a reading specialist or um, more extensive intervention, um, different impacts that we can have um, reading disabilities, for instance, and, and how to further support students when um, your foundational knowledge is not quite enough. Let's get some more um, insight into that. Now, something we've been working on with both the graduate and undergraduate coursework is aligning those courses to the standards for reading professionals from uh, the International Dyslexia Association. So that's something we hope to pursue in the future is being accredited with them, but it's kind of a work in progress, making sure everything works correctly uh, with aligning those standards across our program. Mm -hmm. 
Um, another thing that we're excited about and hope to offer in the fall is having our students trained in um, a standardized reading assessment uh, from a cadence, um, which uh, can serve as a dyslexia screener. It has a number of indicators, um, include, including the random uh, the, the RAND assessment, mm-hmm. uh, phonological awareness assessments, uh, word reading assessments, oral reading fluency, um, and even a comprehension assessment using the maze. Uh, so they will actually go through the official training to administer this assessment and be get a certificate at the end and be able to turn around and implement that assessment with their students they're tutoring out in the field. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. So to, to be able to do that assessment you have to get the certification to qualify to administer it yes that's great that's that's going to be a great advantage for for your students yes so and also you mentioned about the the dyslexia um, criteria getting you say not certified but aligned Mm -hmm. with that Mm -hmm. does that provide another level of certification for your students as well if they are able to go through that or uh, uh, being accredited, having a program accredited, yes. So it would open up options for them to go and take an additional test to apply for um, other dyslexia certifications, such as uh, dyslexia teacher, I think is one of them, uh, dyslexia specialist. There's different levels um, that they could apply for, depending on which program we we are talking about. It, um, that would change because of the field experiences that are required for each level of certification. I see. Well, that, that sounds like um, a really good program that is keeping up with the science of reading mm-hmm. and making adjustments along the way so that, so that we're producing the best uh, teachers that we can. Absolutely. Our learners, I love that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's still a work in progress. Every yeah. semester we learn something new and we're constantly making those adjustments. It seems never ending, but right. it's for the best and um, our students are benefiting from it. That's fantastic. Well, is there anything else you would like to share? Anything coming up or any last words? We hope to continue to do more research in the field and to um, further improve our instruction and and how we're benefiting those graduate and undergraduate students and and so that they can be um, effective reading teachers themselves. Good. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're looking forward to getting the results from our research that we're currently doing so that that can give us information about how to support in-service teachers who are out in out in the field uh, you know teaching readers every day very good well thank you both so much for agreeing to come in and talk today thank you for having us yes it's good to get Mm -hmm. to to talk with you and catch up a little bit Mm -hmm. absolutely and thank those of you for listening as long as we keep talking to each other we'll make it together through this thing called life sincerely south The Sincerely South podcast series is brought to you by the University of South Alabama College of Education and Professional Studies. Follow the college Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages at USACEPS for the latest news. The podcast episodes are engineered and directed by Dr. Joe Gaston. Our executive producer is Dr. Trace DeFurek. Guests on the podcast are expressing personal opinions for informational purposes only and are not necessarily acting as representatives for the university or for their places of employment. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.